allowing yourself to be grieving, allowing yourself to be sad, allow all those emotions to be there, allow them to run their course because they're going to whether you want them to or not. There's no skipping over. Welcome to Finding Your Spark Again After a Loss. My guest today, Eric Bauberger, is going to talk about understanding the intelligence of our emotions, and I am so excited to hear about it. But before we go there, I'd like to just tell you a little something about Eric so that you kind of know where we all coming from, right? Because Eric is really impressive. So Eric Bauberger, B-S-C-S-C-S, is a holistic life coach and motivational singer songwriter. You got to hear this, by the way. Mastery Method Certified and Certified Strengthening and Conditioning Specialist, Eric guides self-aware individuals to tune their minds and bodies to create ease and flow toward their greatest self. He helps those looking to create purposeful change by teaching them how to get out of their own way and align all aspects of themselves with what they truly desire. Through understanding our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, Eric creates an environment that allows his clients to access new ways of seeing, being, and behaving that lead to measurable transformation. After the loss of his sister, Jessica Lubrano, to an unexpected overdose in 2018, Eric experienced firsthand the power of mindset and emotional fitness while responding to a tragic life event. As he deliberately surrendered his attachment and focused his attention on gratitude, he channeled infinite peace, purpose, connection, and formless love. Following this experience, Eric realized his capacity to guide others and infuse his songwriting into his service. His sister was his biggest fan since the age of seven when Eric was given his first guitar. He knew that that passing of his sister was gifted to him to be used as the muse for providing a profound message. Welcome, Eric. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. It was very grounding and, and chilling at the same time. I have to say, your your words ring very true in me as well. So I feel like my experience is very, very similar to, to the experience that you describe there. That sort of being really deliberate with your um, focus and uh, with what you allow in and uh, really understanding what happens when we listen to our emotions and respond to them, not necessarily by going further into them, right? But respond to them uh, in a way that brings us someplace we want to go. So I, I'm really looking forward to this great conversation. Likewise. So. Tell us a little bit about your beautiful sister. What an amazing soul. And um, I'd love to just hear a little about her and that process for you. Yes, thank you so much for asking. You know, it's funny to try to put her, you know, to try to simplify and consolidate is a tough thing. But she was always everyone's biggest fan, everyone's biggest advocate. If someone was upset, she'd be the first one to try to like, 
knock them out of it, you know, and bring them back to joy. She was always for living in the moment, always for having a good time. Her friends are uncountable. You know, she was always that sibling that just had tons of different friends, and it was always so much fun to be around them. And to see their perception of her when she was gone, it was such, you know, it was obviously very sad and, and very traumatic, but to see the impact that she had on so many people, the way that she was that source of light for so many others and in just this positive way. And while she wasn't, you know, motivationally speaking or, or, um, you know, doing coaching like, like I am, she, she was this source of joy and fun and lightheartedness. She never let anyone take themselves too seriously. If I was in a mood, she'd be the first one to start like imitating me or doing something that might make you mad, like as a trigger, like immediately, but it immediately, you know, following would break your ego down and break the seriousness and she would bring you back to the moment. So, you know, not only that, but again, every, every family member she had, she was always promoting, always lifting up, always encouraging to do whatever, whatever it was they were doing and to bring attention to it. And especially with my music, she was always having me play, you know, at block parties or even in the very beginning over her phone to her friends. She wanted me to, to get up and to show people what I could do, even when what, in my opinion, what I was doing at the time wasn't that good. So, you know, right from the start, she was just such an advocate for for people to be authentic, and that's what she really was. She did not, you know, positive emotion or negative emotion. She did not hide how she was feeling. She was always expressing and always true to herself. What a beautiful soul. That is so great. I love hearing about that. So much of that really reminds me of my own experience with my late husband where uh, there were things I learned about him I had no idea until I heard how he impacted other people, right? I mean, you're having your own personal relationship, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, okay, this person had so many really incredible relationships and was was a light, like you say, you know? Um, so that is such a, a lovely thing to hear about. What a beautiful soul. And you can't get uh, the, the support like a sibling can give you anywhere else. They just are sort of in this unconditional position, I think sometimes. And, um, that's lovely. That's really nice. That's really nice. Yeah. Yes. So, it's very, very unique. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's singular. It really is. And, uh, I love uh, in your description of her, this idea of authenticity, right? This like, unabashed, authenticity really kind of speaks to to really connecting to yourself and connecting to something bigger than yourself and um uh, i know that that can be very scary for some people and that it isn't always easy to do uh and and not just some people but sometimes in our lives right sometimes we handle things better than others but uh that kind of tapping in and being willing to feel so deeply is really beautiful so thanks for sharing about that yes yeah i'm in i'm feeling i'm feeling your words as we speak 
yes, I. <laughs> this is one of my. This is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because you are. Uh, I can so feel the connection with you, which is lovely. You're always in the present moment. Such a such a, a good example for us all. Thank you so much. Yeah, it feels this fit space feels good. It's very resonant. So uh, when we were setting this up, we talked a bit about understanding the intelligence of our emotions. Now, what's funny is when you go on the internet and you put something like that in, people start talking about emotional intelligence, which is really not what we're talking about here today. It's something uh, more in relationship with your emotions than simply uh, in awareness of your emotions, isn't it? Yeah, there, there's definitely a few ways to go about understanding how a particular emotion is trying to serve us, whether something feels resonant, you know, and you, you could say that there's a more expansive feeling or a more constricting feeling. And while there's a whole spectrum of emotions that show up in different circumstances, there's ways to use them. And when I say intelligence, you know, there's ways to understand them, understand what their purpose is, understand what their service is. And when you understand that deeper rooted intention of that emotion and its expression, it really is intelligent and it's always coming from some deep place within us that we're usually not aware of. We, we don't typically understand the emotion as it happens. And coming back to that either an emotion being more expansive or an emotion being more contracting or restrictive or resistant, that's always telling of, of what we're or how we're seeing something, what our perception is of something. And it's going to guide us either to safety, to protect ourselves, or it's going to guide us to follow what our heart really desires, follow our truth, follow what's really of our greatest service and our greatest potential. That's really, that's a, an important distinction, I think, that you make. I think a lot of times people feel like... Um, Emotions are just something that happens to them, right? And they don't have a lot of uh, say over it. I, I hesitate. I almost used the word control, but I don't even think that uh, what we're talking about really fits into the mode of control because the world is not really all that controllable, right? But it, it is possible to surf and... Um, to surf in a way that that brings you someplace you want to go. Right. To, to understand how to use the current, whether it be in the water to understand how to, to navigate through the river while there's a strong current going one way to still be able to navigate and choose your relationship with it, whether it's downstream or upstream. And the same thing with, um, with sailing, right? There's people could sail upwind. And it's all because they know how to navigate and position themselves and find a posture. And that's a beautiful correlation from that comes from my understanding of strengthening and conditioning and, and anatomy is that our minds could maintain a posture and we have to condition that posture and that way that our mind moves in relation to life so that we could either go with it or, you know, 
not be tumbled over when it even seems like things are going against us or just falling apart. Yeah, I think that's particularly relevant during that experience of loss. You know, I, I, as you're speaking, I can really tap into the, the moments when, you know, when my late husband died, it was, um, <laughs> I was a caregiver. So I felt that my role and, and how I live my life really is as present in the moment as possible. So he was alive for me until he wasn't right. As opposed to sort of going like, well, this is how it's going, <laughs> you know, it's going in this direction. Right. I sort of was super present and, um, and that feeling of, uh, what is the next moment and the next moment and what is the purpose of this space that I'm in now? So now I have this person who I, I want to be in physical relationship with and they're not here anymore. And I'm in some other relationship with them and sort of to say to, to yourself, what's happening in me in terms of, can I really be present? And if I can really be present, then then I can might be able to navigate those waters that you're talking about. Um, how do you feel about that presence? Does that does that really ring with you? Yes, that you know, presence that that as an idea was the first kind of consciousness shift that I was able to become aware of and make. Um, just by realizing how much my mind was not here and now. And as soon as you could begin to become aware of how your mind trails in other directions naturally and bring it back, you could become more aware of what you're thinking and why you're thinking it and how you are relating to a particular moment. Am I resisting? We can't be aware if we're resisting a moment if we're not present in that moment. So I love how you said through that process, you were present. And as things changed, as all things do, you were able to maintain this posture and this awareness of, you know, what is my relationship now? How, where do I go from here? And that requires presence to, to not be over come by the thoughts that will inevitably happen. We're not meant to be thoughtless beings, but as we become mindful and aware and kind of take a step back and create space in between ourselves and those thoughts and those emotions, we could navigate more easily and take more clear, conscious, and deliberate steps. And that's what it sounded like. You were very kind of deliberate in how you were approaching the situation as it happened, rather just letting it happen to you. It happened for you and, and with you. And that's how I feel as well. Yeah, I think there's a complicated dance for me, actually, where uh, I'm am in that space a good bit of the time. And that's my resting place, right? That sort of let's be completely present and here and really aware of ourselves and all of that is kind of that's my default position uh, in a lot of ways. But uh, but, you know, in a lot of relationships, when you lose, um, when you lose someone who you've got business with, or you've got financial concerns with, or you've got children with, right, or you've got siblings who are who also relate to this problem, there's like all these real world things that have to be dealt with, 
Uh, and so for me, I can remember the times that I came out of that being fully present moment were times when people would say things like, uh, how are you going to pay for the funeral or whatever? And I'd be like, that's an interesting question. <laughs> Guess we got to figure that out or whatever it is. Right. And so, um, I think a lot of times people jump forward and jump backward and we're kind of all jumbled up in the filing cabinet of time and our emotions don't really seem to, to care. They don't care if you're in the past having a regret or in the future having a worry. They're not, they don't care. They're like, okay, I'll worry. Yeah. Yeah. They express themselves as soon as they feel themselves being called upon. And our thoughts is what calls them. It's what creates the signal that causes a certain emotion to come to the surface. And so when we feel that, what, what is that next step? So that was beautiful how you described it. We have a thought, something happens in our bodies. We feel an emotion that we can maybe identify. And then what, what do we do with that in order to know what to do with it? Yeah. So the, the first thing is to, and it's, I laugh because it sounds redundant and I say it all the time now, but we have to feel the feeling. We have to allow ourselves to feel the feeling. And if we break down the word emotion into the letter E, which means outward, think exit or external, and motion, which means movement, and emotion is just an outward movement of energy. And typically, when something happens, we have a perception of it and we, we have thoughts and then that thought influences an emotion. And if that emotion doesn't feel good, we go back into thought to try to process and fix the thing that seems to be making us uncomfortable. But it's really our thought about the thing that is making us feel uncomfortable. So first and foremost, just to feel the emotion and research shows that just 90 seconds of keeping our awareness or our attention on an emotion allows it to move. It might not be the end of it. You know, grief is going to come back. Guilt is going to come back. All of them are, are there in different doses. But the first thing is just to feel it so it could move outward and be expressed. And then depending on the emotion determine, you know, whatever the emotion is could determine what we do with it. Um, for me, if something like sadness comes up because I've been in a very masculine mindset growing up. So when sadness comes up, I just try to, you know, would normally try to stuff it down. Whereas now I allow it to be there and I might not consciously know what to do with it, but just allowing myself to feel it allows it to slowly simmer and I feel lighter afterwards rather than nothing has changed and I'm kind of back in a pattern. But then something like anger, you know, anger could be really seen as a, as a negative emotion, but anger tries to help us take action. So to ask your, if you're feeling angry, asking yourself, what action does this anger want me to take? And the, the anger kind of works twofold. The anger is also a protector. It's usually protecting a part of us that feels vulnerable. So to ask yourself also, what action does this anger want me to take? 
You know, it doesn't have to be violent. It could just be like, okay, I need to create a boundary. That's an action. But also, what part of me is feeling vulnerable? What part of me is afraid? And that's the emotion that we really need to tap into and feel and express. Um, but, you know, really trying to simplify that, if an emotion doesn't feel good, if it's constricting, if it's tense, and we, we know when it doesn't feel good, even if we can't label it, to ask ourselves what we're thinking right now. What are we believing? Because we have thoughts, you know, it's like thousands of thoughts a day or something like that. Um, but it's the ones that we believe that influence how we feel. So if we're feeling a negative emotion, ask ourselves, what are we believing right now? And then simply asking, is it true? And most of the time, it's not even true. But if you could have enough presence and enough awareness of that you're having a negative feeling, and that negative feeling is being caused by a thought, you could kind of reverse engineer the process. But, you know, feeling it is great. But then inquiring is, what am I thinking right now? And that's how you start to take dominion over the mind, rather allowing it to control you. That is really interesting. So, um, so when you were talking about emotions, um, I, I had the sense that, that we should be talking about feeling them in your body as well. Does that ring for you? Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, so this part in particular, I became very aware of and, and trained in, in the, the coaching program that I used to certify in called the Institute for Coaching Mastery, um, led by a woman named Alyssa Nobriga. And she specialized in somatic therapy, meaning the body. And she helped us understand the very intimate connection between an emotion and a sensation in the body. So certain emotions you feel right in the gut. You feel tension in the stomach, right? And that sometimes that will be associated with, with confidence or a lack of confidence or or, or different fears. And then, you know, something like guilt or like grief could be more in the heart or in the chest area, you'll feel tightness. People feel it in their throat. I know tons of people that always feel a weight when they feel overly responsible, they feel a weight on their shoulders. So if you're present enough, you could feel how this emotion is expressing as a physical sensation in the body. And once you become aware of that, you could then use it to your benefit. That's where you could you could put all your attention there or if like before I perform, if my heart's beating fast, just putting my hand there and just feeling that rather than trying to not be nervous at all. Um, and then again, as you tune into the in tune into the body and notice those constrictive areas or those tense areas, we could also feel into relaxed areas or resourced areas. And there's a lot of great meditative approaches to create a release or an expression of some kind by feeling into those. And sometimes it's just speaking from it. Other times it's tuning into when this feeling might have come about. And it's just making those connections. Um, and I've heard creativity described as that one time. You know, obviously like creativity is like a form of expression, but creativity could also be the way we make a connection between seemingly disconnected things. And sometimes people have memories of certain things, but they're not connecting the emotion that they currently feel with any of their memories or any of their conditioned kind of moments that 
really ingrained that mental emotional response to something. I'm not sure if that answered your question, but yes, the <laughs> the body is a great way to explore the emotions and where they come from and, and how they're trying to serve ultimately. I love that. And uh, really, when we focus on our bodies, it creates a space between you and the emotion, which is, I think, a really important piece of that puzzle that you're describing is that uh, sometimes we're so in ourselves, in our small selves, that it's really hard to know that this is, an, is a sensation that my body is having and that my mind and body are kind of experiencing and creating together, but that there is a me that is experiencing them. And that me that is experiencing them is, has a little separation from that. And so when you described, you know, oh, maybe I have a tightness in my chest. Maybe I have a tightness in my uh, belly. You know, when you started saying, okay, this is what my body feels, then there's a, a slight separation there. And it becomes maybe a little less uh, overwhelming, right? That feeling. You can get a little space between you and it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so the so our, our awareness... Like that, you know, that capital me, if you want to put it, that our awareness is spacious in and of itself, right? So you put that awareness on a sensation in the body, you create space for it to be felt, to be expressed, and just to be held there. Whereas the ego or our identity, our, our idea of ourselves is identifying with the story more than the feeling. It's feeling like a victim to whatever is causing that emotion. You know, it's like it's this it's this outside thing that's causing this feeling. And, you know, that's funny because the word ego, people could think like, oh, someone has a big ego. They're being um, like cocky or they're being like it's more like grandiose. But ego goes the other way, too. It's when we feel like a victim, we're, we're caught in our ego rather than our essence and our awareness. But exactly what you said, when we come back to that awareness, that capital me, naturally we're creating space for that emotion to be felt and to move. Mm. Right. So, and to move. So that's the next piece of that, that puzzle, right? Is that the energy that is that emotion is, is going to move kind of move someplace. Um, now, uh, when you work with people, are you, are you working with moving that intentionally or allowing that movement? You know, I guess the reason I ask is that in my, um, in my recent experience, I felt like the imagery of moving from sadness, which is very immobile, in the middle of a, a literal move, right? So my house sold and I had to move everything. Um, to move that energy up the body just a little bit into anger gave that mobility, gave my body freed it up from sedentariness to be able to give it real mobility. Um, so do we do we move those intentionally up? out there are a lot of different um uh approaches to this yeah yeah so yeah so i have a few answers but i want to keep them concise and simple first and foremost that putting your awareness creating space 
allows it to move because of when we're in thought, it stays compressed. When we're judging it, it stays compressed and it stays stuck. When we have space for it, so like our awareness is kind of, because it's like open and spacious, it's receptive. So that receptivity to it, that allowing to feel allows it to move. So that's one way. Another way that I was taught, again, by Alyssa Nobrega was to resource a positive emotion. So if you feel this, you know, if you feel this guilt in, in your, you know, in your gut and it's constrictive and you then invite in within your awareness someone that you've always felt safe with, someone that you've always loved, a, a resource, like so the guilt is an unresourced emotion, that positive loving energy is a resourced emotion. So sometimes by then, like if you're afraid by inviting in a positive energy with that negative energy, it neutralizes or it makes it feel safe enough to, to move and to change or to that tension to be released. So, so that's the second uh, so you could feel it, create space, and it moves. You could bring in a, a resourced emotion to allow it to move, but also physical movement. So, in, and in particular, breath work. So, a lot of emotion can be stuck in our in the lower parts of our body, and when we rapidly breathe, when we hyperventilate and go as deep as we can and create that physical movement, there's a clearing of that energy. It really taps into our nervous system, and you know, something that differentiates us from other animals, so to speak, is that we're the only ones having these thought processes that keep our emotions stuck. When you see two ducks fight, for example, when they're done fighting, they'll f they flap their wings really hard and they expel all that excess energy. The human just goes into thought like, oh, that son of a gun shouldn't have said that and, and whatever else, and the emotion stays stuck. So, But we have the ability to deliberately tune into our nervous system by, by hyperventilating or different types of breathing techniques, and that also helps it move. And, and creates that clearing, which is a beautiful, beautiful experience. Yeah, there are so many amazing uh, breathing techniques uh, that, that will allow you to get to that exact space. And I love that you're bringing in this idea of moving the energy out of your limbs, right? Because a lot of times what you're going through is really a, a nervous system response to should I, should I fight? Should I, should I run away? Should I, right? And so you're in this piece of your nervous system that is creating a whole bunch of energy. And so I know there are some people, I've never been one of them, who like to go for a run when they're when they're anxious or something. So finding ways to do that through breath work or, or going through for a run or whatever, or flapping your wings if you're a duck, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. So um, I want to, I want to touch hear a little bit on this this piece that you wrote in in that we talked about here uh, at the very beginning where you talked about the passing of your sister as a gift 
I I really relate to that. I believe that when uh, people come into this world and we we get to experience the miracle of a baby that is a gift in our life and brings us richness for many years. And I and I experience the same thing through the leaving of a soul from a body. Right, that they they are gifting us this space of. Um, of, of being present with ourselves, with them, and of a new relationship that isn't physical and here on this physical plane. So I'd love for you to, to touch on this concept of a gift, that as a gift, you know. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad that you asked. Because um, pe- people like, like that, someone that isn't aware or s- people that haven't experienced something similar could quickly think like, that sounds kind of crazy or like I'm in denial, Um, you know, and I've questioned that. I'm like, am I just in denial right now? But what I've read and what I've found is that life will try to shake you awake if you're unconscious or if you're, you know, some people say you're in a slumber when you're not aware of who you really are and what you're truly capable of. And while I was slowly becoming aware of the the ability that I had to have a wonderful experience. I always felt like life was just happening to me. Once I was able to begin to wake up to become a more deliberate participant, like I was already doing that. And then my sister leaving was that breaking open of that aperture of possibility. So the the dramaticness of that, it shakes you awake. It makes you become present. It makes you realize what's important. It makes you realize what you're going to spend your time on. Are you going to bicker with people? Or are you going to let things go? Are you going to keep working that job that you don't like? Or are you going to do what you really love? So, you know, death and war and all these seemingly horrible, they're, they're horrible in their own respect, but there's a gift within them. Within that darkness is always a, a light. There's always an opening and an opportunity. So primarily that gift was, am I going to do what I think I should do, or am I going to do what I want to do with my life? That's the first gift. The second gift was the opportunity to put the tools I had been practicing to the test. And the tool was being present and surrendering. As soon as my mom called me, I knew if I don't let go, this is going to hurt really bad. I'm going to suffer if I don't surrender. So it was an opportunity for me to let go and to trust and allow the universe to do what it does. But what's beautiful, and and Eckhart Tolle writes about this in his book, A New Earth, that when you surrender, everything that's available to you becomes more apparent. So I was able to become aware like, okay, it seems like my sister was in a coma for 11 days because I was so present and because I was so surrendered, I became more like, okay, I might need a miracle to, to happen. And so I started doing my research. How could I influence something spectacular to happen? So we started, we found different essential oils and we were diffusing them and putting them under her nose. We were massaging her feet and her hands and we were telling stories and playing her favorite music and we had friends on TV. So because I had surrendered, I had this awareness, okay, how could I energetically contribute to her healing? 
And even though that failed, so to speak, that I didn't bring her back, I didn't raise her from the dead, right? Where that was my hope, that was what I had hoped for, that that could happen. The miracle was what I was able to tune into in that surrendered state. So when I let go of her physical body, I said, okay, universe, you, you take her form. And I open myself up to whatever is available for me, I'm ready to receive. And everything that was non-physical about her, her personality, her love, the way that she affected people, her ener her energy, whatever, however you want to label that, it immediately came back into my experience. I felt one one night, so we stayed with um, two of her best friends, Karen and Linda. They took in my family. They fed us. They, they let us sleep there, and they truly nurtured us through this experience. And... And if you, you take a step back, it was, oh, the love that my sister shared with them transcended through them to love me and my family, right? So through, the, through these people, through all the other friends, I could feel her love coming to me through other channels. And what I was saying before was I was standing in their living room where we were staying and the space around me, I felt it just fill up with Jess, her essence just filled up the whole room. I was like a fish in the ocean. It just surrounded me. And one, yes, it was letting me know that she is beyond physicality, which is reassuring, right? It's like, okay, it wasn't just, you know, the turning off of a switch. She still exists in some way that I can't truly comprehend. But deeper than that, or in, a, in addition to that, was just this knowing that everything was okay. Everything was absolutely okay. She is fine. And the first night we slept at the hospital in the ICU, my younger brother, Keith, had a dream. And my sister came to him and just said, it's okay. And I misinterpreted that thinking that that meant she was going to come back. But really she was saying, all is well. My, I've just moved into a different space. And, you know, the, the third gift being what, what you said in the beginning when you were introducing was I immediately knew that I was supposed to use this not only in my music as something very real and raw to express this, you know, this dark experience. Um, but I, I was given an experience where I applied tools that I could then teach other people how to use. I'm like, okay, this works. Being present works, being in a state of surrender and then, and then gratitude. And I thought that my gratitude, you know, thinking of the law of attraction, I thought my gratitude would call forth the, you know, the experience that I wanted or the outcome that I wanted. But it really just attracted to me everything that I needed to move forward with inspiration. And I felt so much inspiration and I felt so much humor even. I'm like, my sister would definitely want me to use her death to my benefit. And I let, and you know, I could feel her laughing at me. Because it's like, yes, use it. This is for you to use. So multiple, multiple, it was like Christmas, multiple levels of gifts. Yeah, I totally understand that. That's a, that's a beautiful way for you to put that. Thank you so much. Um, I, um, I want to ask, uh, because I would love to talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Um, but we are sticking to that 30 to 45 minute, uh, uh, kind of range. And, um, so I just want to ask if there was only 
one thing that you could say to our audience about how to to really be able to get from uh, where loss leaves you to to having a real spark in your life, what would that be? Yeah, I, I think it you know it starts it starts with presence becoming just becoming aware of everything that you're feeling and experiencing allowing yourself to be grieving allowing yourself to be sad allow all those emotions to be there allow them to run their course because they're going to whether you want them to or not there's no skipping over so allowing yourself to feel and as you do that just continue to be curious what was this person gifting me with through their departure? What did they leave for me? What can I use to be my best self? How is this happening for me? And just keep asking that question. And when you know your purpose, you know, when you know your, if you know that your purpose is to, to use this to move on, to use it to help other people, then the how is just going to show itself as it comes. So the, what, what, what I needed to do to get to this point, I didn't know it at the time, but I just knew that I had something wonderful to use. And slowly but surely, the path laid itself out in front of me, stone by stone. So to summarize that again, to allow yourself to feel all of your emotions, express them in song and journaling and and whatever, just express, allow it to come out and dance, whatever, but then get curious and ask yourself, what is the purpose of this? And how do I use this to be the most not when I say greatest potential or the, the greatest version of yourself, I'm not telling people try to be Michael Jordan or try to be whoever, but to be the most real and authentic version of yourself. And all the things that happen to us are working in our favor to help us do that. And it's, it's a beautiful experience once you follow those inklings, once you follow like, okay, this is who I am. How do I express that? How do I bring that to the world? And even how could I use my most authentic expression as a way to serve my fellow humans? That's the sweet spot, I think, when we could express who we really are most authentically. And that in and of itself is of service. But I think it goes beyond as well. Super. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Uh, We will make sure to link up all the links that there are for you so that our audience can keep in touch with you. You are an absolute joy to speak with, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here. I'm so honored and grateful, and you held wonderful space and asked the most beautiful questions and have the most beautiful experience to share as well. So this was couldn't have been easier for me.